Welcome to the Justice Loses podcast. We're talking about pop culture media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always my delightful co-host. <laughs> that, Matt. Matt, what should people do? <laughs> Not stumble over the intro, that's what. Yeah, I almost forgot what the intro, how the intro goes. How many times have we done this now? Uh, Coming up on 60, gotta be. What, with the backups and all that? Oh, more than that. Yeah. We're like 57 actual episode 57 right now right and with like seven backups well but all those backups have been used as episodes so oh that's true but also like all the reviews and yeah but we don't know how episodes. to intro the reviews and yeah yeah enough, oh, yeah that's true enough also you should like subscribe and tell a friend and yeah or tell an enemy check us out on whichever social media we're on when this episode comes out yep in case you couldn't tell it's a backup yep it's a backup uh this is Second backup of this series. Yep. Uh, don't know when this is going to come out. It is knowing me. It's probably I'm going to make the claim that this is in March. Okay. Because that's around midterms. So I'm yeah. Busy. Also, that's around the season change into my worst season. Also true. So I will probably be super sick and stressed around this time. Mm-hmm. And we'll need a couple backups. Okay. So that's what I'm claiming. This is in the middle. This is somewhere in the middle of March. Okay. Towards April. Hey, people from the future, do we have an Avengers trailer yet? Hey, uh, do we have a release date for Game of Thrones? These are these are important things. These are, these are very. These are actually severely important to us right now. Yes. <laughs> like the, <laughs> just, just put that out there. Put that out there. Oh wow! Put that out there. Got it. This is gonna go great. Woof! Man, I just woke up like. An hour ago, uh huh, yeah. Like okay. when I texted you that, mm-hmm. like my the time proposal. Right. Yeah, it was like I had just woken up. Okay, yep. So I'm also very hungry and dehydrated. No, oh. because yesterday was a. This is so unimportant. I also didn't start the timer. Wow, we are back to <laughs> back to formula on this one. Oh like, yeah, getting the timer. Fucking. Oh, it's the worst. Start. Uh. Welcome to Justice League, yeah. the podcast where we talk about pop culture media, new movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Batman. I love that I got that out better than you did. Shut up. <laughs> there was a little. There was a little. There was a little. There was a little yeah in there. Yeah. But... Uh, anyway, Matt, what have you been up to? Um, what Chubb been up to? Well, in the last the last right. backup, I talked about two of the six little oh, that's right. little stories from Ballad of Buster Scruggs, the Coen Brothers Netflix original movie that came out November of 2018. Um, right. And I completely forgot about the second one of the stories, uh, so I skipped over that one. I'll touch on that one briefly. Basically, James Franco is a bank robber, and it's kind of, it's probably the most absurd of the six. Uh-huh. Like, there's some really bizarre stuff that happens, but it all, like, works. Yeah. And it's an interesting story that somehow manages to end up being really profound, uh-huh. even though the most notable moment is a man covered from head to toe in pots and pans charging at James Franco. Interesting. Makes more sense in context. Does it though? Kind of does actually. (laughs) Uh, but it's, it's entertaining. It's funny, but it's, it's got, it's actually got some things to say. Okay. Um, and then I talked about the third one last time. So I'll skip to the fourth one, which is basically just this old guy and he stumbles upon a Valley and he's a prospector and he starts digging for gold it yeah it's basically just him looking for gold there's some some little plot things that happen along the way but okay. it, it amazes me how efficient the coen brothers are though at taking just a really simple small story doing 20 minutes of film and making it something that's actually really resonant and hmm. is saying something yeah so i think i'm appreciating this movie more with distance yeah which is often a good sign yeah so all right. I'll talk about the next two, the the last two, um, sections five and six, on our next backup episode, which could be in several could, months or yeah, a year. Be, who knows? Probably not in a year because we've been, doing, oh, we've been doing this for two years. Yeah, and we it took two years to use up seven backup episodes, so we're pretty good at getting yeah. our episodes out. Yeah, literally, we're only using like backup episode that I well shit, one of us has to edit and get out tomorrow. It's true. Um, that is old as shit. But, yeah. like, since the last backup episode, we have been... It's been a long time since we used episode backup episode six. Yeah. Anyway, why do we do this? Why do I do this? I um, You've been up to anything particularly interesting? Yes. Uh, I I showed my friends this. 
And it's very interesting that I, I just kind of realized this about myself. The best way or best way to tell how long I expect to be broke is by seeing how tall my to reread stack is of comic books. <laughs> so like what that means is like I've I take all the books that I have and have read and I take the ones that like I, I typically go the ones that I haven't read a second time or that I don't really remember very well mm-hmm. and I'll just like stack it. And I just have right now it's about like a foot, a foot and a half tall. Yeah. Like it's huge. It's a good size stack. And that that's only like the small trade paperbacks because following that I'm going to do the uh, Nightfall Saga, mm-hmm. which is about, <laughs> again, like half that on its own. Yeah. Uh, and then I just want to reread everything. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I expect to be broke for a very long time. Uh, <laughs> so I've actually started working on that uh, after, I think, in the last episode we recorded, actual episode we recorded, I talked about how since Teen Titan, New Teen Titans is so dense, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to just read that straight through. Right. Uh, so I'm taking a break. I read The Penguin. I finished The Penguin, mm-hmm. which I was going to save that for later, but I don't care. Yay, backup episodes making What You've Been Up To is really out of sequence. I uh. uh, finished The Penguin, and then I read The Huntress. Okay. Which is very good. Um, so in the New 52 continuity, Huntress is... The Robin from Earth 2, where she is the daughter of... She's Helen Wayne. She's the daughter of Catwoman and Batman. Okay. Um, Way different continuity. But her and the Supergirl of Earth 2 get stuck in a boom tube when fighting Darkseid and get sent to Earth 1. Okay. And since both of them are like, well, I'm Robin and there's already a Robin. It's like, well, I'm Supergirl and there's already a Supergirl. They become Huntress and Power Girl. Okay. Um, So Huntress is Helen Wayne. In Earth One, uh, changing who she is, and then she goes around and does some stuff. Like the the world's finest series in DC, in the New Fifty Two, isn't Batman and Superman? It's Huntress and Power Girl, uh, which is super good, by the way. I recommend it. Okay. Um, but there there's this all like background background adventures that Huntress does, and this is one of those. But they don't explicitly talk about how she's Helen Wayne. Okay. She is Helena Bertinelli, which is the original name and continuity of uh, Huntress, mm-hmm. because that's one of the identities that Helen Wayne uses for her Italian crusades. She goes by Helena Bertinelli, uh, okay. daughter of a crime lord, blah, blah, blah. Um, but there is like two very subtle references to being the daughter of Catwoman. Because dogs walk up to her and she like lowers her glasses and like glares at them really hard and they run away and then the cat walks up she's like I've always been a cat person it's like ah I got only it. people who know this would get that <laughs> I love it and it's really good uh, it's it starts with her tracking down uh, an Italian uh, mobster like uh, one from Naples mm-hmm. and defeats him and kind of like throughout finding him. Realizes that there's this huge, like, human trafficking trade happening. Okay. And she does not like that. Of course not. Rightfully so. Uh, so she then tracks down the person who's in charge of the whole thing, which is the um, uh, the the prince of a fictional Middle Eastern ah. uh, country. Not Kondok. Good, because if they'd done it from Kondok, that would have made no sense, because Black Adam would not have been okay with <laughs> Human trafficking, he would have ripped them all into pieces. Okay. I just realized Black Adam does not make very much in a... Woo! Okay. I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say why I just did that reaction. I was going to say, Black Adam has not made much of an appearance outside of being in the Shazam backup issues. And I realized he plays a huge part in the Forever Evil storyline. Like, he's the one that breaks uh, Ultraman's jaw. Okay. Like... I don't know what that means, but... Yeah, he... No, wait, is it break? Oh, no. Oh, wait, Ultraman breaks his jaw. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so, do you remember the Forever storyline at all? Uh, there's the Earth some... 3 villains, like the right. Crime Syndicate Crime comes, over, comes and over and they fuck everything there's up. There's a lot of evil. Uh, yeah. Evil forever, one might say. And we also play the play that deck building game. I know, and I do very well at it. Oh, yeah, you do. You cheer. give me Sinestro. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, so that's what I've been up to. Uh, I'll have more of that because I've been reading... I've been reading other things, but we have another backup episode of recording right after this, so I'm going to save that. Yep, for that. okay. 
Uh, so that, uh, no news. Unless you want to just drop some news. I don't think we've had any. Mm, no, it's been kind of slow news. I think um, we had one one or two things. I think I took a screenshot. Of, I'm not going to worry about that. We'll, we'll do OU that defeated West Virginia by a score of 59 to 56. Yeah. Holy <laughs> balls. That was a game. Yeah. I, I'm really disappointed that people were expecting us to have a defense after firing Mike Stoops because we have not had a chance to actually like develop yeah. our defense yet. It's not really how that works. The guy's working with scraps right now. He's just yeah. like, we'll just make, do something. Just get us through the season. We might lose a whole bunch. Doesn't yep. matter. <laughs> yep. So, um, yeah. So, Matt, what's our topic for today? All I right. genuinely don't know what the topic is. Okay. Well, this one, we're doing the... the second half of our pulling names out of hats and matching oh, the franchises i thought we were doing your surprise oh, one first i thought we were doing hats first well then don't forget the surprise one okay i can remember the surprise one okay well for sure a uh, little <laughs> little teaser there for everyone for like way later whenever the next one comes so out. later yep but he has an episode idea that he hasn't told me yet and i'm apparently he wants to hear my reaction so we'll we'll see what that is but, all right, so we're doing the second half of our hat-pulling one. Uh, we've got a few more uh, franchises and a few more directors. And what we're going to do is we're going to draw one from each hat. And then we're going to talk about how, if this director had done this franchise, how it would be different. Yep. Or if we get the director who did the actual franchise, how their style affected it. Mm-hmm. So, and then we'll put them back in. Um, we have, I think we have two more directors and we have franchises or something something like so that. when we run out of one thing we'll just throw the rest of them back in now we'll just take the two directors and then write a fan fiction where they meet and fall in love do you want to do that yes all right we'll do that then okay <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what what our time's at by then all right uh matt you want to go first okay yes let's do it this is literally just an episode testing our ability to know styles and also like adjust it helps that we pick directors that we're all pretty familiar with and that have very unique styles. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Let's we, should see. Done a, we should have done Kenneth Branagh. Branagh? Branagh. Branagh? I think so. That's a weird end to a name. Branagh. Branagh. <laughs> okay. We have Star Trek as done. Is it Star Trek or Star Wars? It is Trek. Okay. T-R-E-K. Got it. Trek by the Russo Brothers. Oh. Which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, basically, aside from a few episodes of Arrested Development, which they do some of the better episodes. Yeah. Uh, all they've done is just a little movie called Captain America Winter Soldier and the, the sequel, Captain America Civil War. And then... Um, it's a really indie movie called, like, A Lot of Battle or something. Forever Battle. Forever Battle? No. Yeah. What's it called? No, I'm mixing it up with Forever Evil. Oh, it's like, it's Revengers. Reven- yep, that's right. Revengers. Revengers. Uh, Infinite Crisis? Oh, that hurt. That, that's DC. That hurts saying that. Uh. Oh, God. I disrespected <laughs> DC so hard right there. <laughs> it's a, it's, it's Avengers Infinity War. They did Infinity yeah. War. They directed that one. And they're also doing Avengers 4. Yes. Or did Avengers 4. Yes. It'll definitely be out by the time we release this one. Hope so. Maybe. If we do well. Yep. Oh, wait, no. I said this one's going to come out in March. This one's coming out in March. So it hasn't been out yet. So they're doing Avengers 4. They're doing Avengers 4. Or, well, I mean, did Avengers 4. It's probably done by then. Yeah. Well, anyway. 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 Uh, <laughs> so what 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 stands out to you as their style? Um, The first thing that comes to mind for them is they have a really visceral exciting action style okay um you look at i mean look at the entirety of winter soldier mm-hmm. that's a lot of really good hand-to-hand combat yeah um the one that always sticks out to me is the thanos versus hulk fight from the very beginning of infinity war yeah because that one is a that's a really important moment they need to set up thanos as being a more dangerous villain than all these other universe ending threats the avengers have faced uh-huh and it's incredible how they do it just by how they introduce them holding Thor, which I love how they do that too. It's kind of Thor's out of focus in the background and Thanos just kind of drags him. Mm-hmm. And then they bring in Hulk and have Thanos just wreck him in hand-to-hand combat. Yeah. And so I think they're really good at specifically conveying th- 
like story through action, I guess. Okay. See, that's actually like for people who watched the original Star Trek, and I haven't watched the the beyond the original Star Trek um, <laughs> beyond, <laughs> uh, but I have watched the movies. The movies are very different in style from the show. Yeah. Um, the movies are more action, Star Warsy, fighting stuff like that. When you when you say movies, you're referring to the original movies or the no, the, the sorry, the the uh, reboots, the J. Abrams movies. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen the original movies either. Okay, they're uh, probably a little more action heavy because they got the budget for it mm-hmm. than the regular ones. But there's a lot of just fun concepts and stuff. Yeah, the one where they travel back in time to save the whales. <laughs> it's probably the best. <laughs> Which one. one was that? I think that's four. Aren't the four, aren't the odd, or the even numbers the bad ones? No, the even numbers are the good ones. Okay. Rathicon, that one. Yeah. Okay. Um, But the original series, I don't know how far you got in the original series. Uh, Not super far, Okay, honestly. The original series, I can I consider more of kind of an anthology, almost uh, um, Twilight Zone-ish. Yeah. Where it's not like, oh, this is action-packed space adventure. It's more of like, you're in this unknown space you're meeting all these interesting character uh, interesting like humanoid creatures it's almost always humanoid um but things are almost never as they seem so like you start the like act 1 you're like oh there's this thing happening and then act 2 it's like oh wait mm-hmm. duh what at the end of act 2 it's like oh my god that's so much different than i thought it was mm-hmm. um and it's it's more make you think than exhilarating action yeah. Um, and I think, and I, and from watching Gage watch Next Generation, Next Generation, uh, that one's very similar too. Mm-hmm. And I think they do a lot. I don't know how Star Trek Discovery is. Um, I've heard good and bad things from Star Trek fans. Yep. So I, it's, I will have to watch it for myself to have my own opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm wondering if if the Russo brothers, their style sticks out to you as good action. And yeah. like conveying information through action, mm-hmm. this might not be a really right right fit. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think they're just competent they're directors just, on it. Cause, yeah, yeah. Like you look at their Arrested Development stuff, and that even that is like there's some good direction in there, some notably mm-hmm. good stuff in there, so they can handle that sort of comedy stuff. And yeah, um, yeah, it's a little incongruous, but I think they could probably do really good if you gave them uh, the fourth one of the the J.J. Abrams run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that and that's where they would they would benefit because like, uh, through all of Star Trek, starting from like the very first one, uh, Kirk has never been one to shy away from hand to hand fight. Right. So you give him cause in the first one, it's always like the a punch, and then they kind of tumble over, and then they yeah. run over and they grab him, and then they tumble over, and it's like really like sloppy and stage lazy. fighting almost. Yeah. yeah. Um. Well, I mean, that kind of makes sense because back then right. all the actors were stage actors just kind of thrown into movies. Yeah. Um, but you do – you give James Kirk the ability to fight, which makes sense because if he's one of the top – well, he was one of the – oh, my God. I don't really know much about this. But I think he wasn't – he wasn't really a fighter, but it, like his, his ability to assess the situation and do something kind of uh, – unorthodox mm-hmm. and get the desired result was what makes him successful mm-hmm. not necessarily as fighting but you just give him the ability to fight and that would make him more formidable for anybody yeah and i mean these these new reboots have been reasonably action heavy mm-hmm. and it's it's not like they couldn't do some of the more ideas driven stuff and just sit there if they have a good script yeah which um which they do uh and yeah like to to kind of quell the attitude we're portraying that with i don't know what sentence i was trying to say uh <laughs> they don't only do action like they yeah. do do they do really good writing yeah. uh they're like the uh winter soldier iron man reveal is well done mm-hmm. uh just general make it make it set cry a little yeah stuff yeah they're um I think they're just very competent directors. That yeah, their their definitely highlight are. just happens to be action. I was looking at this list of like the top like ten directors of all time, mm-hmm. and like four of the top five were all couple directors, brother directors. 
I don't like that list. I don't even know who would be on that except Cohen's. Well, there was ones that I have never heard of. Okay. I think it like it goes back all the way to like the beginning of okay. movies. But like I mean it brother directors typically do well. I mean, couple directors would do well because one yeah. person can handle one thing and the other person can handle another thing and they could do significantly better at their You can bounce yeah. ideas off each other. You have yeah. a an outside creative influence that can cull your bad instincts. Yeah. Um I really like the Anna Boden and Ryan Fleck team that's doing Captain Marvel. Oh. They've made some really good stuff. Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think uh, Zack Snyder needs a person to quell his bad instincts. Yep. Who should we buddy Zack Snyder up with? Snack Zider. I, you motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next All one. right. Yeah, let's do the next one. Yeah, gotta reach over and grab these. Uh, this is franchises. Yep. I did this last time too. Yep, I know. Oh, I think I got two. Yeah. And this one. Come on, Matt. You got to add some little banter while I'm doing that because that is a banter, 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 banter. banter oh, banter, my banter. goodness. Banter. Harry Potter as directed by Quentin Tarantino. Oh, <laughs> I was I was thinking earlier about how we've do, we got we're going to do this episode. And I was like, well, we haven't gotten who haven't we gotten to yet? And I was like, well, we haven't gotten to Tarantino. We haven't done Harry Potter. Oh boy, that's going to be interesting if that happens. So what? How would Quentin Tarantino do Harry Potter? Uh, so Quentin Tarantino, for those not aware, is characterized by gratuitous, incredibly over the top blood and nope. language. Um, it <laughs> just stuff. Imagine like- the Snape dying scene. It would not be like a couple blood splatters on the window. Like, the building would explode from blood. Yeah. It'd be a shining elevator type of deal. Uh, Yeah. And Harry Potter is... It starts out as very kid-friendly, and then by the end is pretty much just teen-friendly. Yeah. Uh, So this is completely incongruous. So how are we going to do the adult remake of Harry Potter? Well, we see Voldemort kill. I, th- I think we we adjust how spells work. That the spells have a more physical. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Impact. And not uh, they they. God damn it! The free the word I'm looking for. I can't. It, it like embodies itself. The the. A physical. Embodiment. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It does more, like, it shows itself in a more physical way. Manifest. Manifest, yes. More physical manifestation. So, like, the the killing curse is less of, like, they it's a green flash and they're dead, and more of, like, they explode or, like... It rips their heart out. Exactly. Like, it's it's super gratuitous. Yeah. Um, And, like, the, like, just things as simple as Expelliarmus, like, breaks the person's hand. Yeah. Like, it just, it goes more extreme. The spells do crazier shit. Okay. So that's that's one way that you can really just invite more violence is mm-hmm. to create the, make the spells less magic and more of just like Wi-Fi murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I think we can make enough cosmetic changes to make the universe make sense for him, but I still that's not going to be the kind of story for him. Yeah. Where it's all kids and stuff. So what if we hand him the whole Grindelwald versus Dumbledore story arc instead? I don't. I like the idea of Harry being like really angst. Like if, because for Harry, he just knows Voldemort killed his parents, so he's kind of like out to get Voldemort. Also, he just has the general like, "Hey, save the world" kind of thing. Yeah. But like, if he had. If we show Voldemort killing Harry's parents with the killing curse and it, it like they explode, uh-huh. like that makes Harry more like vengeful than like, my first memory is being splattered with my mom's exactly, brains. Exactly, yeah. Like so, it becomes less of that, and like I think Harry would be significantly less. I care about the world, and more like I'm on a war path kind of thing. Okay, so he would like fucking right off the bat kill Draco Malfoy. All right, like that little shithead right in the like. Talking to him on the steps before they get sorted into the house, and he's just like, poof, poof, just starts like punching him in the face. It just snaps his neck right there in the steps. Yep. You're like, you're, you're Slytherin, damn. <laughs> Harry be a Slytherin, yeah. But I think I don't know. We don't. I don't know enough about the grid, the 
Dumbledore Grundleworld. Uh, I mean, there's not a ton that we know about that whole backstory from the canon as it existed before J.K. Rowling started butchering it. Yeah. Um, but it, I mean, it's definitely more adult and lends itself to more mature themes. I think. Okay. But I do like the idea of just a super angsty chosen one who can like get away with whatever he wants because he is the chosen one. Yeah. Like, kind of like Anakin. Yeah. So well, like he didn't Anakin. Really get away with anything because I mean, they, his, his descent into being the bad guy happened in the course of about an hour. Right. <laughs> so there was no, like, he did something bad and got away with it. Yeah. But yeah, no, so like, and Ron is kind of like the bruiser. Yeah. Will like, fuck everybody up. Yeah. I like it. And there's lots of slow lingering shots of Hermione's feet. Oh, yeah. He does have a thing for feet, He does have a thing for feet. Yeah, Yeah. what a weirdo. Yep. Nope, not kink shaming. I apologize. (laughs) I mean, it's weird to, like, film it for, like, a normal movie. Yeah. Like, it's fine to have the kink, but, like... We don't need to know about it, Quentin. We don't need to also be part of it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, Um, but uh, that is... Actually, now that I think of it, you make a good point. That that is very Tarantino. It's sort of a mythic quest for revenge. Mm-hmm. So, I think that'd surprisingly work. Yeah, it would not be, and that's exactly kind of this is like the epitome of how why we're doing this episode. Right. It's like how drastically different would one would one series be if a different person had control of it? Yeah, this um, would be polar opposite. Yeah, but all imagine all like the interactions with oh god, imagine the Triwizard Tournament. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah. so much gore. Someone get eaten by a dragon. Yeah, and it would not be like it would not be like clean where it's just like oh it would just be like he tears the head off and blood goes everywhere. Yeah. Like oh there's a good dragon eating scene in Game of Thrones. Does he do good like emotions? Um not really? Cuz that would I... take away quite a bit of the series as it is. I mean again, he's He's a very competent director. Yeah. But he's more about, like, hyper-stylized over-the-top. Yeah. And, um, and people are sort of just a a means to a plot. Then, okay, so what movies has he done? Uh, Pulp Fiction, Inglorious Bastards, Hateful Eight, um, uh, Django Unchained, uh, Kill Bill, um, yeah, Reservoir Dogs. Super bloody things. Yeah. Like, all Imagine of him doing Game of Thrones. <laughs> it wouldn't change that much, would it? Not It'd just so be a much, little no. less grounded. Yeah, a little less grounded. Um interesting music choices, probably. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah, no, I, I actually like this idea quite a bit. Yeah. Tarantino Harry Potter. You you change the story, you don't you don't make it an emotional story, you make it just this, this Warpath. kid on a mythic quest for revenge. Yeah. And he's gonna kill anyone that gets in his way. Yep. Let's do it. All right. Go hire Quentin Tarantino to do Harry <laughs> He'll Potter. Have him do the remake. Yeah, he's almost done making movies though. He said he? he'd quit after ten, and Hateful Eight was his eighth, depending on how you count. That's how he counts. And he's got a new one coming out next year, I think. What's it gonna be called? Frightful Nine. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Okay. Yep. Uh, let's see. Now it's your turn to banter. Oh boy, bantering. So I'm looking at this cardboard box. More guitars. My dad got a new guitar. This is about the worst banter I've ever heard. You're the worst banter you've ever heard. Draw the things faster. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the franchise is X-Men. Oh, no. Brad Bird. Oh. Oh, so doable. Yeah, it'd be perfect. Yeah. I mean, he already did the best Fantastic Four movie we've ever gotten. And admittedly, that's not X-Men, but it's sort of the same venue. Yeah, it's... I think, like, he would put more humor into it i feel like uh wolverine would be less wolverine under Redbird. yeah I could what see else that. has he done besides uh animated stuff he did uh mission impossible ghost protocol right which i haven't seen oh yeah you never saw that one yeah i managed to miss that one <laughs> yeah um that one's good okay i mean they're all good except for two but that one's really good two is great <laughs> yep that's that one uh he did Tomorrowland, which no one really seen that. liked, uh, this kind of thing. Um, I think that's all aside from his animated stuff. So Incredibles, Ratatouille, Iron Giant, um, Lego Movie. 
Nope. No, Lego Batman. Nope. What? Who did those? Uh, I swear Brad Bird. Brad Lord, Bird and, Lord and Miller did Lego Movie. I swear Lego no, Batman was Brad Bird. Guarantee you. Brad Bird. My mom went to high school with him, in fact. Oh. Yeah. Movies. Ah, uh, oh, shit. Told you. Uh, Should have bet. Should have bet cash money. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what other uh, TV shows has he done? Family Dog, nineteen ninety three. Yeah. Oh yeah, his old old stuff. So he's more animated. So I think it would be. Well, I'm trying to think back to. Well, he could do live action. Yeah. Ghost Protocol is a really good live action yeah. movie. Um. I don't know. I think it would be very similar, just a little less gritty. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. Um, he probably wouldn't have done the black leather suits. Mm, no, I think he'd probably be more willing to go for the, the for comic the actual, book accurate stuff. Yeah. yeah, it'd probably be a little bit more comic booky, but I also imagine he'd do a really good job with the action because uh-huh. that's something that he's consistently done well, both in action and live action. Yeah. Is great set pieces. Yeah, like the the Burj Khalifa scene in Ghost Protocol. That's the tall building where Tom Cruise like r- runs up and down. Oh, rope. wait, maybe I have seen it. You haven't seen Rogue Nation. You haven't seen five. Oh, yeah. yes, I did see Coast Protocol. Oh, that was amazing. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. No, definitely uh, big set pieces like that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Woo. Yes. And then you look at his incredible stuff too. There's a lot of really fun superhero action set pieces yeah. in both of those movies. Yeah. So. And like he like, and it's. He does a good job utilizing, so like for Incredible specifically, utilizing a skill set or find like realizing things and use uh, resourcefulness. Right. He does a good job of creating resourcefulness. Right. Which with, is very evident in Ghost Protocol. Yeah. And with Incredibles, with the like they have the, they got the remote. And they're like, oh, he can penetrate himself. That's phrasing. Uh, <laughs> just hit the button and I'll penetrate him with himself. <laughs> <laughs> so resourcefulness so like i think you would get a lot well that plays exactly how do the x-men work because it's a whole bunch of different powers you can find an x-men for any superpower you could think of yeah and so he can throw whatever he wants at the screen and create whatever he wants yeah he can is anyone invisible in x-men i'm sure come on you're supposed to be the marvel expert can you think of (laughs) (laughs) oh god no um yeah he Oh, he would have so much fun with that. That'd be yeah. perfect playground for him. Yeah. See, this is how the, the episode needs to be done. We need to look at it and be like, well, actually, this one didn't start off like the Harry Potter, Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> or we're just like, uh, and then at the end, we're like, yeah. Yeah. This was just like, this is. Yeah. No, I can see that. That'd be really good. Mm-hmm. All right. Next one. Anyone Next comments one. Comments on that? Uh, he probably wouldn't. He'd, we probably wouldn't have to deal with like Last Stand or Apocalypse. Yeah. Well, I feel like, how would he do on those ones? Uh, I think he would do them differently. I think he'd probably do different movies. If he was going to do Dark Phoenix, he'd probably go all out. Uh-huh. And bring in the aliens and the intergalactic stuff. And yeah. Make it a character-focused story instead of being like, oh, all this other stuff. And also, we included 15 minutes of the Dark Phoenix saga because comic book fans like that one. Yeah. Lord of the Rings, as directed by George Lucas. So, hmm. here's my forte. The two things that I watched for ten years. <laughs> Alright. Oh, that would be terrible. Could well be. So, George Lucas, his wide-scale stuff is purely space. His non-space stuff is very typically one person with, like, a side character. Right. So he could not do Game of Thrones. Or not, well, he couldn't do Game of Thrones. Couldn't do Lord of the Rings because I feel like he wouldn't know how to keep Game of Thrones. Or, gah! Sorry, we're going to watch Game of Thrones after this with our friend, and I'm just, like, really excited about One track mind, yep. Uh, he wouldn't know how to keep things grounded with such a large-scale thing. Yeah. I feel like he's very much an ideas guy. Yeah. And, like, that's where Star Wars came from is he took a bunch of stuff that he liked and it just happened to end up being a bunch of great ideas that worked together. Yeah. Um, Lord of the Rings 
well, here's the thing that we don't know how we would do with existing source material. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I was thinking. Like with how much politics are actually are in, in Lord of the Rings, but kind of behind the walls, like you got like the steward and like, he's trying to be King and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I feel like you would, if, cause the four, five and six were good because he was, kind of restricted it as to what you would put in the movie people would fight back against right. stuff and he didn't actually direct those ones I think. yeah one two and three were all his and they were so political that i feel like lord of the rings would be very political yeah and that takes away from some of the most interesting things of lord of the rings yeah he'd sort of game of thrones it i think he could probably do the core story pretty well because he really likes sort of his hero's journey type of deal yeah with luke and so I think he'd probably do the actual quest for the ring pretty well, but uh-huh. like a lot of the detail work and stuff, he'd want to drag in all these weird outside ideas and yeah, the world could get really messy. Yeah. George Lucas isn't that great of a director. He's got some good no. ones, but you got like Howard the Duck and the prequel series and yeah, nah. he's, he's a guy who had some really good ideas and we gave him several billion dollars for it. Yep. And that doesn't make him God. Yep. That was a short one. That was kind of, yeah. Your turn. I forgot I put DC in there because I briefly saw it, so I'm waiting for that one. Nah. Let's see. DC? will it be? Hmm? Let's see. DC's nuts. Oh, goddamn. That was... Weirdo. DC. Oh, shit. (laughs) And, oh, we've seen this a little bit. Joss Whedon. Okay, we haven't seen it to what it should be. Yeah, we saw sort of half of his Justice League movie. I don't think Joss Whedon would know how to handle Batman. Yeah, no, definitely not. This, I think this would be sort of thing where he handles the team up and then you give it to different directors for the one-offs. I think he would do a really good Nightwing mm-hmm. based on the witty humor. Yeah. He could do a good Superman because we saw a little bit of it. I really liked the Superman that we got in Justice League, so. I don't think he can do the Flash because the Flash is a little different style of humor than what Whedon does. Okay. Because Flash isn't like a dry sense of humor, which Whedon is. Mm -hmm. Um, Nightwing kind of is. Superman just really isn't funny, but when it is, he's pretty dry. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I think like the team up get them all together and do those good kind of like long takes that aren't really necessarily long takes. It's just a whole bunch of CGI right. mashed together. Just fun looking stuff. Yeah. I think that, I think, well, I mean, it's, we're kind of restricted here to how, like to speculating because we've seen him do superhero team ups. Right. Um, damn it. I was really hoping to get something more interesting with DC. Well, what if, what if you gave <laughs> Joss Whedon man of steel back in 2013 instead and said, here, you're kicking off a cinematic universe, make a Superman movie. How would that have affected the landscape? Well, Man of Steel didn't really directly want, uh, wasn't really designed to make, I mean, he did have the plan to do the extended ver- right. universe, but it wasn't like, it was more of like, I want to do this, but we'll see how this does first. Right. Kind of thing. L- l- okay, let's assume the same scenario. It's like, here, make a good Superman movie, and if it turns out all right, we'll talk. I think it'll be all right. Yeah. Um, Man of Steel is actually entirely watchable. Yeah. Uh, it's not something that you wanted to stick to. Like, that was kind of one of the things that Hollywood doesn't know what works. Because they look at a thing that worked, and they get the wrong message from it. Right. So he looked at Man of Steel, and he was like, hey, that movie worked. What was it? Was it the fact that it was a really good Superman action knee? Well, I mean, kind of the action was a little bit iffy, but like, it was a good Superman movie. That we haven't had for a while? Mm Mm-hmm. Or was it the fact that it was dark? It was the fact that it was dark! Right. (laughs) And, I mean, that goes back to they were just like, well, Dark Knight was great, and it was dark, so we just make a dark Superman, and it'll be good. Yep. It's, uh... It's terrible. I think... (laughs) I think Whedon would have had the restraint to be like, yeah, you know what? Super Superman's a pretty light character. Let's make a, a hopeful movie here. Well, that all heavily depends on, like, what his source material is. is it, I mean, yeah. Like, if you go... God, 90s, 80s, you got angsty Superman. Well, yeah, sure. You get... 
late aughts, early teens. You got, like, still kind of angsty, but more of just, like, clueless mm-hmm. and destructive. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you get, like, the 60s and before, and you got campy Superman. Right. Well, I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to Superman for All Seasons, something like that, uh-huh. where it's like, he's just a... He's just a guy from Kansas, a nice guy. He's hopeful. He's trying to do the right thing. Yep. Um, you add in a more interesting actual villain and tell that story. And I, I think you got yourself a good start to a cinematic universe there, one that doesn't force you to try to be really dark in the future. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you got some room to play. You can make your Batman movies dark, sure. But yeah, I think that would have worked pretty well. That would be fine. I mean, we know he can do a yeah. Superman, superhero. Yeah. So, all right. All right. My turn. All right. How many we got left? We got two left. Okay. And then our fan fiction. Oh, boy. These are going to be kind of hard ones. <laughs> uh, this one, directed by this person. Oh, that's okay. Two. That's two. Shit. Okay, that one, the one that fell. Sherlock Holmes. Steven Spielberg. Hmm. More mystical. More superhuman. Yeah. I could see that. Um, Spielberg has never been an especially grounded director. Yeah. Although he does good grounded stuff like Bridge of, Spry- Bleh. Bridge of Spies. Uh-huh. <laughs> Could not get that yeah, out. You- Lincoln. Um, even War Horse, which is yeah. kind of Hollywooded, but like it's grounded. But yeah, he also tends to be a lot more Hollywood. Yeah. And I don't know how he would do with mystery. Yeah, I think his style of mystery isn't as much mystery for the audience as more mystery for the characters. Yeah. Because that, like, uh, well, I mean, Close Encounters of the Third Kind was kind of mystery. Yeah, a little bit. It's like there's aliens. What are the aliens all about? Yeah. Um, but, like, who did, uh, it was Guy Ritchie. Yeah, Guy Ritchie did, did the the two recent movies. Yeah, well, there've been recent, more recent movies, but yeah, the I can't the, wait till three comes out. Yeah, the Robert Downey Jr. ones; yes. those are fun. Um, Spielberg's would probably be a lot different than those because those were very action heavy. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the concept that he has that like he that Sherlock can freeze time and like. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily like freeze time, but can think of all the scenarios really quickly. Uh-huh. I think that would be something that Spielberg would do because it's more like meta humany. Yeah, because um, it's more it's less grounded because nobody can do that. Right. Um, but I feel like he would have like a mystery that's involving like aliens. <laughs> yeah, there'd be there'd be something something interesting in there. I'm sure. Um, what movie? So that's the thing though. Spielberg has done so much that it's really tough to yeah pin him down um because like jaws was kind of his breakout and then did indiana jones and et and close encounters and jurassic park um and then more recently uh, i mentioned bridge of spies and tintin because getting the animated game yeah um i don't know it's an interesting one yeah didn't you do ready player one yes yeah Uncanny Valley Central. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's... I don't know. He, like, he's a good enough director. I'm sure he could pull it off, but it just doesn't feel like it would be great. Yeah. Sherlock it would just be, Ho- Ooh, a, it'd yeah. Just be a good, good watchable Sherlock Holmes movie. Yeah, Sherlock Holmes is a very mystery... Obviously. Right. He's a detective. Um, and I just don't think that that's something that Spielberg does. Right. And he's also a very played out character and Spielberg is not really someone who puts interesting twists on things. Mm-hmm. He's just like, I'm going to tell the best straight up version of this kind of story. Yeah. And so it feels like he would turn out something well made, but fairly generic. Yeah. So, ha, we found a weak spot on Spielberg. Ha! Your turn. All right. I'm very tired. Last franchise. Last franchise. Last franchise. I know which one it is. All right. And which and one? And I'm going to have to carry this one. Oh, yep. Walking Dead. And Guy Ritchie. Uh, oh, that shoot. would be I for- fun. I forgot we put Guy Ritchie in there. That would be a lot of fun. I I don't know if it would work. 
Okay. It would be fun, but that's not what Walking Dead's supposed to be about. Right. Like, okay, so the first chunk of Walking Dead is is the survivors versus the dead. Right. Trying to survive. I'm still well in that chunk. Yeah. The, what, what? What was that last word you said? Chunk? Chunk with a C-H. Got it. Sounded like you said I'm still well in that junk. <laughs> yep, that's why I was like, what? Did you just say that? Uh, the second, like the more recent seasons are definitely the survivors versus other survivors. And then there's just other kind of threat that pops up every once in a while of the dead. Well, he does like fun conflict stuff between people. Well, yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like the early stuff. So the stuff that I'm thinking of him is very just. Uh, oh my god, Game of Thrones. Uh, Sherlock Holmes and Guy from Uncle. Or Man from Uncle. Okay. Well, that's like his family friendly stuff. I'm thinking more of like uh, Lock, Stock, and Two Smoking Barrels, where it's. I haven't seen those. Bloody and fast paced, and um, like you can't actually tell what the characters are saying half the time because they're talking at about four times the normal speed in a British accent. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just sort of like random violence and chaos okay and so i feel like that would be fairly well suited to a very different sort of walking dead yeah because walking dead is very suspenseful but if you have something where like like the zombies run Mm -hmm. also how how does it work with source material uh well sherlock holmes is not exactly a close adaptation of that source material um a lot of his stuff tends to be original well he also did that king arthur movie that no one saw oh yeah yeah which I watched the trailer. Didn't look like it stuck super close to the. And I just realized King Arthur mythos. What? Why I'm so tired is because I didn't drink coffee this morning. That would be the issue. Yes, it would. Damn it. Yep. <laughs> oh, never, never interact with me on a day that I haven't had my coffee. Yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know. I think it would be so. So he doesn't draw directly from source material. Yeah. But he takes general concepts and makes it the way he should make it. So I think it would be like running zombies and fast paced. Like the survival is more like shit. We're going to die in like 10 minutes if we don't, as opposed to like, we're going to die in a couple weeks if we don't do this. Yeah. And I think it'd be a lot of fun people on zombies and zombie on people violence. Yeah. Cause he does, he does enjoy his action. Yeah. And, and I people think people on people on violence is good too. Oh yeah. And in game of in walking dead. Yeah. It's always fun. And uh, like, he does a pretty good job with, people and people conflict yeah. too um and so and people being unpredictable which is kind of from what i've seen so far a big part of walking dead is like paradigm is completely shifted and people are no longer gonna play by the same rules they used to yeah and so um i think that's exactly the sort of wheelhouse he could do it would just be very different from the show we got yeah okay okay fantasy Fan fiction time. We're at 46 minutes. Okay. And that's plus the about two minutes we talked. So All right. We got time. Okay. Well. I'm going to let you do this because <laughs> this is your. <laughs> so, Christopher Nolan and Guillermo del Toro. All right, Matt. I really like both of those directors. How would this happen? So, is this, are you looking at like, you're writing a fan fiction of how these two people would meet or are you writing like a fan fiction of what a movie that's a combination of the two would look like or both how about how they would direct together the story of them meeting and falling in love go for it okay it's all yours buddy (laughs) it's all yours um so this is this is kind of interesting because they both tend to be well del toro's more character focused but he also really enjoys his world building and his details and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and Christopher Nolan is very scope and ideas driven. So I imagine they're going to go somehow fantasy with some sort of mind bending, twisty rules. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't know. Maybe they like fall into a storybook or something. That uh, does not seem Nolan-y. Yeah. Well, that that seems Del Toro-y though. Yeah. But then. Nolan would be like, okay, here's how the rules are different in here than they are in the real world. Mm-hmm. So maybe they're 
maybe you get really meta and they're they're just filming a movie together and they get trapped in the source material they're trying to adapt from and um they have to fight their way out somehow i don't know this is kind of hard on the spot yeah it is isn't it <laughs> and then along the way they they find that they had more in common than they ever thought being high profile modern directors beloved by millions of fans who both have a very distinctive style um I think doing the storybook actually can be kind of interesting because, like, you draw into uh, Christopher Nolan's ability to mess with how storytelling is done. Yeah. And take it from a linear, like, I'm looking specifically at Dunkirk. Right. Um, So you could have a thing where, like, you see a page later in the book Mm -hmm. and it makes no sense, but then you watch that develop. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe, like, within the story, you have the characters, and they're, like, they have to follow the story somehow. Yeah. Or they have to hit certain story beats. Yeah. And, like, it doesn't matter in between, because but they just have to get to the point where they're in. Um, And so it's about them trying to figure out how to get there. And, and of course, because it's Guillermo del Toro, there's, like, sort of fantasy monsters and stuff. Yeah. Because he has all kinds of fun with that. Um, One of them has a brief love affair with a fish man, because... Because you have to throw that in Naturally. there. Naturally. Del Toro has a lot of fishmen. Oh, that's right. He did... Uh... Hellboy. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're getting another one of those. Yeah, we yeah. are. Yeah. Or we got another one of those. That's in March, isn't it? April. Ah. Well, we might have got another one of those. Yeah, who knows? Also, we might have got another... Or, uh, uh, Shazam. True. Right now. Yeah. Which I'm excited for. Man, this year has been a good year for movies already. Yes, it has been such a great good year. <laughs> uh, All right. Well. I'm satisfied with that. Okay, I think I think that bit is, is played out as it's going to get. Yep. Shoust me? Oh, we shoust. Wow, this was kind of a rough one. It was a little messy. It started messy. good, but then I realized I was very tired and I just started losing focus. Yeah. Uh, we'll go splash cold water in your face and slap you around the head a few times. Wake up for the next one. All right. Um. Yeah, thanks for listening to this backup episode where we talk about more directors and how they would botch or fix or completely change, but otherwise make a very convincing and satisfying version of some famous franchise. Um, you can probably still find us on Facebook and Twitter at Justice Losers Pod and Instagram at Justice Losers Pod. Uh, we also have a Gmail at Justice Losers Pod at gmail.com where if you have episode ideas or Hellboy reviews, because that's probably out. Maybe uh, you can send all those to one or many of those various mediums. You can find us on SoundCloud and iTunes and Podbean and probably something else that Preston has put us on by now, but yeah, I don't know what it is because we're recording this from the past. We are the past. Indeed. And you are the future. Ah! Leave a comment. <laughs> Tell us if Hellboy's good. <laughs> we we'll probably know more than you do about that then by then probably i don't know um yeah thanks for suffering through this with us and bye 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 i can't do the next one i need coffee okay <laughs>